created live on Fireside. Get this started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to YNS Live. We have another great story. I'm really excited to introduce you guys to Daniel Felt. He is the founder and really the, the man boss of Cura Homes. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm good. Welcome. My name is Juliette Hahn, and I am the host of YNS Live. I also have a podcast called Your Next Stop. And if you're familiar with my shows on YNS Live, I also have YNS Live with NFL Thread and YNS Live with NFL Thread Pivot, which is our new show. And so when we connected, Daniel started telling me my his story. And I said, you got to pause because you guys know that I only like to listen to a little bit. And his story was really of someone that has really turned, kind of pivoted, turned his life around, followed a passion, and then created this really great business. And he is here to kind of give us a little bit of insight, especially for anyone that's out there right now that's thinking, I hate my life. I hate my job. I want to do something different. Listen how Daniel really just kind of pivoted his life. So welcome again to YNS Live. And Daniel, I would love for you just to give us a little background on who you are, you know, if you went to university, if you, if you didn't, where where you started and how you created uh, Cura Homes. Yeah, for sure. I, I have started at the beginning because I learned so much from my parents. I'm one of six kids. My parents are entrepreneurs. They were not college educated, but they um, they know they have a lot of wisdom and uh, they to this day sell golden retriever puppies and do it quite well. Uh, from there, I was very competitive in high school, a lot of sports, uh, a lot of board games at home with six kids, as you can imagine, and yeah. ended up swimming in college. I uh, went to a state school here in, in Minnesota. I uh, went there for a little bit and then um, just felt really led to go to a finish out at a private school that two of my older siblings had uh, went to, so studied business marketing. Uh, from there, I'd always wanted to invent something or, or start something, but I never really quite had the confidence. But um, it was just really incredible to be at that school, Bethel University in St. Paul, and be having like lunch with a professor or something like that. I was, I was that kid. I was a nerd. And, uh, and, and say like, oh, you'll be like a CEO of a big company one day. And, and no one had ever spoken words like that to me. And mm-hmm. it was really, really cool to see that. And also, they would say, hey, you should really read this book. And even though they weren't like taking the time to, you know, go out to lunch or whatever, just reading that book would be really impactful, like How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was one of the first books that anyone ever told me to read. So really impactful. From there, I started working for an agricultural company, and they sell a casual 6 million chicken eggs a day, and was really into systems and processes there. And um, after about two years, my brother called me and said, I need you to help me run my company. And he cleans windows and installs holiday lights one of the most successful entrepreneurs I've ever met in my entire life. And we grew really fast. We went from eight crews to 16 crews in two years, which uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, really impactful. But um, there came a moment when I was um, excited to take a one-week vacation, and it was our slowest time of the year. And I asked, hey, can I take a vacation? And he said, no, I I need you here. And And this is your brother. Yeah, this is my brother. And I said, well, I have the vacation time built up. I really want to take it. And it just so happened that this idea for Cura Home came up right around the same time to start maintaining people's homes for them. No one else was offering it. No one was doing it. And um, just between wanting to be my own boss and be in charge of my own schedule and this new idea, and everyone who I told, they were like, that's the best idea I've ever heard. And so, um, again, just people speaking into my life. I had the confidence to go out and start my own company in 2016. 
I love that. So there's, there's, a, I mean, a few things that I want to touch on. I think when you grow up in a big family, I grew up in a big family, you learn skills that not everyone does. <laughs> and sometimes they're skills of survival, like, oh, I need to get yeah. that last piece of bread, you know, or yes. someone else is going to get it, or there's that snack that I really want. So I have to like hide yeah. it, you know, hide it in the, you know, yeah. so things like that. But were your, so your brother became an entrepreneur, and I know you said your parents, you know, and college is so, I believe, you know, everyone has a path, right? And sometimes college is for some people, sometimes college is not, but you can be successful with or without it. You know, it doesn't, sure. you know, there was a period of time, I think when we were younger, that it was like, if you didn't go to college, you know, you weren't successful, but there were so many people in my life, you know, that mm -hmm. I was like, wait, they didn't. And it was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, now, now you have to. And it's like, well, do I? Um, yeah. I did, right. but it was because I played sports, you know, it was really because mm -hmm. I wanted to follow that. So what were, what did your parents do? Like, where did you guys see that entrepreneurial mindset, the fact that your brother also became an entrepreneur. I mean, you guys were definitely, you were given confidence, as you said, from your family. So if you can take us through a little bit of that. Yeah, I have to give my sisters credit too, because I have four sisters, my brother and I split, and four of our three of the four sisters are also entrepreneurs. So, um, wow. so very, very um, strong. And I think it came from really like my parents didn't hide things from us. I remember as a 12 year old helping my parents do taxes and having a receipt from town and knowing that, hey, that was an eight mile trip to get into town. And so we write that off and, and here's what we bought materials for the business on this trip. And, and as a 12 year old starting to understand that concept of this is how a business works and really understand the concept that the harder you work, like when you want things, my parents were like their most typical Midwestern like pay off the farm as quickly as possible, like anti-debt, you know, so like we'd work really, really hard right. and, and just to, my parents paid off their farm in like record speed somehow. I mean, just really frugal people. And so I, it was really a lot of different things in that we had to, as an, I remember being about eight years old, I had to clock in by 8am and my dad from town had this little punch thing. Like you punch in on a time card, it would stamp it with like an ink stamp and it made like the kachunk noise. I mean, yeah. you had to clock in by 8am and I'm sure there could have been a way that we could have changed that timer. I'm sure we would have been smart enough. My dad would have figured it out, I'm sure. But we <laughs> clocked in. We worked really, really hard in the mornings. But then um, as a family, we weren't super wealthy. We, I mean, we lived off of ramen noodles. And I remember buying 10 for 10, uh, those pizzas that you could get. But we yeah. worked really hard in the mornings. But in the afternoon, we would go to the beach. And that was our thing. Like, get all your stuff done, work really hard, and then you got your reward. So just growing up with that, the harder you work, we saw the benefits, you know, all of a sudden, hey, the business can now afford to buy a nicer four wheeler because the one that we have for all these farm purposes is a piece of junk and it doesn't start, right? So right. Um, we just saw that that reward time and time again. That's amazing. And so I love that from, so really from, you know, a young age, your parents really instilled that. And it's, it's interesting because I have uh, two teenage boys right now and my daughter's soon to be a teenager. But they, you know, every summer we're like, you guys got to get a job. And we, my husband and I just the other day were like, okay, boys, like you, you yeah. had a job, but then they realized the pay and then the timing, you know, it was like, okay, you can accept this job. But I said to them, you need to have four other you know, four others in the backup because you get to pick. Like, that's the thing. You don't have to take any job. You want to know your worth. You want to know your strong points, but you also want to know, okay, I do have JV basketball and I do have varsity soccer, right? And you want to make time for that. So let's think about this. And I have to tell you, they really screwed it up this summer. Yeah. <laughs> they did not. I mean, it's learning, which is thank goodness, but yeah. we are like, hello. You know, my, mm -hmm. my oldest was worked in a restaurant that's a pretty famous restaurant in our area that has shut down because it well it changed hands. The the owner passed away and they sold it. He's like, I'll be able to get a job anywhere because I work, you know, I worked at Starbucks. And we're like, okay, but 
you need to do it like, you know, three weeks ago. Like now people mm-hmm. are coming in for the summer. People are getting, you know, and he didn't, he didn't listen. He didn't listen. And now they're having a hard time. And we're like, you know what? The gas station up the street looks like they need a pumper. You guys have to get a job. Like there's yeah. no, you know, if, ends and buts. And now all the good jobs, the ones at the beach club, all the ones that you could have gotten three months ago that, you know, mom and dad were like, Hey, you might want to look into it. So right. it is something really important because it teaches you, you know, about life, because Mm -hmm. as you get older, these are the things, you know, and so I think it's amazing that your parents really instilled that in you guys when you were young. So your four sisters are also entrepreneurs. Yeah, they all have some sort of entrepreneurial, whether it be a side gig or a full-time job. There's, I don't know, I just, there's only a few of us in our immediate family that get a regular paycheck on Fridays. Uh, It's, that's not very common in my family, which I'm I'm thankful for. I, I think, you know, to that, when you speak about raising kids, I have a young son, he's almost two and and you and you look at how do you raise these people to have confidence and i think the the coolest thing that my parents allowed us to do is to safely fail you know yes. we we would make mistakes but it was we were loved and we were nurtured through it and and we are allowed to make mistakes and i think that's so important you know in a in a time where you know you have all these phrases of like helicopter parents or things like that it's okay for your kids to get a few scratches and bruises in the in the business world like let them set up a lemonade stand and not sell a single one like your fault a, there wasn't demand here right moved on the street right. so um all those things and i had my my versions of that i was really into like big time into horses i'd buy horses at meat market price and i would train them and sell them and there was times i didn't make money on it and one time i trained a horse for $300 per month and my at the end of the month my dad you know i had my $300 and he's like how much would it be if she would have boarded that horse somewhere? And I'm like, I don't know, probably like $250. He's like, so for an extra $50, you just train this lady's horse and you spent like an hour to two hours a day doing it. What's your time worth? He's like, because you made like $10 right. a day. And I'm like, oh, that was good. And he right. didn't tell me at the beginning. He told me at the end. Because he wanted I you to learn it. Mistake. Yep, exactly. Well, and I think that's what's so important is that the failure. I mean, we talk mm-hmm. about this all the time on the podcast. Failure is so important. And so many people shy away. They don't want their kids to feel the failure. And I'm like the opposite. I'm like, no, no, no. They need to fail more as kids because then when they become adults, they know how to handle it, you know? And yes. and we know as adults, I mean, you get things thrown, you know, I mean, every day can be different. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's not what you expect, but it is so important for that failure. And as you said, the safe failure, right? The mm-hmm. things that it's like, Okay, because we all know, you know, when I started this business, I said to my family, I was like, I'm going to make some some mistakes because that's how I'm going to learn. And I, you, you have to make mistakes to grow. Hopefully, they're not so big that, you know, it's like, you know, detriment, but that's God's plan. So I have sure. to kind of just go with it and listen to my gut, listen to, you know, what God's telling me and all these different things. So I love that your parents instilled that at a young age. Now, did their parents do the same to them or was it something that they wished they had as kids? And so that's why they really, you know, wanted you guys to have it. Yeah, my parents both had really extreme events happening to happen to them during their childhood. You know, from my mom, my my grandpa, my mom's dad passing away at a in a very sudden farming accident. Mm. So she grew up on a farming, and then ended up, you know, they had to sell the farm, and um, then the two oldest brothers decided to buy it back. I mean, extreme, very emotional. Right. Um, events and my and my um, grandpa granted he he changed his life during the last five years of his life but he was a a horrible alcoholic it it really took over his life 
and my dad, um, thank, thank goodness for it, but he watched everything that my grandpa did and said, I'm just going to father completely opposite. I'm going to do everything okay. the opposite of the way that you did it. And I'm so thankful for that because my dad was a very involved parent and, and very involved in our life. So my grandpa was very entrepreneur, had a, um, right, do you love? He, he owned a bar at a certain time and he did all these things that, right. um, and, and most of them were failures probably because of his drinking. But um, so my dad grew up seeing that. My dad did have a normal job, but for sure the main source of our income was from that. Um, so he, he kind of still had a safe haven of like, I'm still getting this paycheck and we still had some of the benefits of that. But the main income from us was that entrepreneur. So I think it, I think it took him a long time. And my dad will have, and I will have conversations of like, why, why do you want to grow this business, right? Why are you franchising? Like, why isn't, why are you happy with what you have here? And sometimes I don't even know the exact answer of it, but I, I think it's a contentment thing. Like, you know, it's not about the money, it's about the game, right? It's we're playing, right. playing Monopoly in real life and, and I just want one more property, right? I don't think that's too much to ask. <laughs> so it is a really fun game and, and I, but I do think it is for sure built into us that we're, we safely take risks and calculate a risk and we ask a lot of questions, but through that childhood and, and those people that mentored us and all those things, I feel confident when I still remember that just the feeling I felt when someone said, Hey, you're probably going to be a CEO of a large company one day. And I was like, there's no way, but maybe they saw something that I didn't. Right. Which is so cool. And you know, you brought such a good point up because there's so many people that say, okay, if you're, you were raised this way, you're going to continue to do it to your family. And it's just going to be a generational thing, right? It's just going to be that mm -hmm. circle. So your dad said, Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be right. do the complete opposite. And that happens in families too. So I love that he shared that with you guys and was like, okay, this is what, you know, grandpa did. Doesn't make him any worse, any less that he did the best right. that he can, but I'm going to do things different. Mm -hmm. So, and then, so I would love for you to now talk about the franchise. So talk a little bit more about, you know, Cura Homes and then where you see, you know, where you see it going. And I know when we talked, it was, you could hear your energy and your excitement, yeah. you know, like you, your big vision, which is really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I love your home, right? It's my baby. I started out of the garage in 2016. But um, as we, we've grown since then, um, what, what Cure Home does, we are a home maintenance subscription for our clients. So typical client, we visit every 90 days and just take care of their home. And I love that. I love the relationship side of that business that we're, we're just here to take care of your home for you. And as we've grown over the years, we've added additional services, the a la carte options where you can pick about 32 items, but people have asked us to do different things. So today about half our business is also air duct cleaning. But um, over time, we've gotten a ton of feedback. We've shifted, we've changed just by asking for feedback. And with that, um, it got to the point where people from all over the country were calling us asking, you know, how, how are you doing this home maintenance subscription? They love the thought process of that recurring revenue, that relationship side of the business. And so even though I'd help my brother franchise and, and we never sold one because we, we would be so busy in the day to day, uh, I decided that it seemed like the right move for us. And we are, we are so close to awarding our first uh, franchise. We're like 99% of the way through that sales process, uh, in Florida. So, so really excited about that. Yeah. It's, Boy, that is a completely different experience from selling like a, you know, a service like routine maintenance where, you know, that sales process can be like 30 minutes and right. this, the franchise sales process, I mean, this gentleman heard about us in November and we're, we're still going through it today. So, um, yeah, our, our ultimate goal, there's roughly 195 metropolitan areas in the U S that have a million plus people in them. And I, I believe that as homeowners, you know, generations change people in their twenties, thirties, forties are, are buying homes and, and things like that. I, I think there's a huge need for Cura Home and what we do, and there's barely anyone else offering the services that we offer today. No, and I think when we touched base, I was like, oh, you know, we moved full-time to our beach house, and mm -hmm. we didn't have anyone, you know, when, when 
anyone that, you know, like this breaks and you're like, who, who do I call or who do I, you know, you need your ducks cleaned or you need this mm-hmm. or you need that. And home ownership is a lot. And if you're not yeah. on top of it, it can go, actually go south. So I know when we lived in the city, you know, I loved having the super. Like that was my, mm-hmm. my favorite thing because it was like something broke. I could call someone that I knew I trusted that would fix something and, you know, wouldn't give me, you know, the runaround. So I know when we were moving out of the city and we were moving to a home, I remember saying to my husband, like, ooh, this doesn't feel as good. So I love that concept. I mean, that was one of the things when you told me about that concept of Cure Home, I was like, that is brilliant. And then when you said about the franchise, I said, I can totally see that going Mm -hmm. to all these different areas because you're right, there is not a need. You know, I had to like reach out to everyone that I knew here, which was not a big, because most of them were just, you know, summer people. So like, who do you guys use to do some maintenance? Who do you guys use to fix X, Y, and Z? Or we need like, you know, this thing done, I don't even know who to call, you know, and and so to have a, a safe company that does it all is a really, really smart, smart thing. So why don't you tell everyone right now, I know they can find, you know, on the website, so you guys can kind of see this going through the scroll. You know, you can go to, um, you know, Daniel's IG, which is Cura Home, and that's K-U-R-A-H-U-M-E, and then the website is curahome.com. And so they can find out information there, right? I mean, is there anything, any other place that you hang out that is... Yeah, well, we're kind of doing all the things. We're doing little dances on TikTok and things like that too. Yeah. Um, Instagram's for sure our primary. Our goal is just to educate people on how to become better homeowners for sure. And we know that 99% of our followers are are just going to go and do this themselves, which we're super happy for. You always hear the people be like, oh, things aren't built the way they used to be. Yeah, you're right. But also we don't maintain things the way that we're supposed to. Right. All these things now have <laughs> filters and all that stuff. I mean, there's, there's a reason why we have 32 services for your normal everyday home. So... Um, so yeah, so follow us on there. Your, your dishwasher has a filter. Washing machines have filters. Now all these things, filters, filters, filters. We love to clean and provide and change all this stuff. And and it's people sometimes will like compare us to Dr. Pimple Popper, like with like the before and after yeah. and some of the satisfying cleaning. So if you're, if you're at all a social media person, check us out on there. I'm available on LinkedIn too. If, um, if you're interested, it's just Daniel Felt on LinkedIn. I, I love connecting with people across the country. And you know, it's so funny, as you said, because it is filter, filter. When we moved from out of the city to Connecticut, we we bought a house from an older family. They were the only ones that had it. And they had the Mm -hmm. old, old washing machine. Mm -hmm. And I remember the, um, the realtor was like, oh, you can get new. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm keeping that washing machine. And she's like, oh, I mean, in the town we lived in, no one would have kept the washing machine. She's like, no, uh, really? And I was like, yes, no, th- I remember this. My parents had it. It was the best. And it literally did small loads, but it was quick and it cleaned better than anything else. So when we yes. moved from Connecticut, I tried to, <laughs> I was like, I want to take that. My husband's like, honey, but we are, we cannot take it. Yeah. But I found a appliance guy that was like, oh, I'm so glad that you kept that because I did work for you know the couple that we bought it from. He's sure. like, I've kept motors and all these different things for this washing machine. So when we did move, because the new people were like, no, we're going to get a new one. And I was like, all right, wrong. I'm telling you, it's so wrong. This is the best one. And so we gave it to that appliance guy because he was like, I have all the stuff probably to keep it running for the next 20 years. Right. And it was so good. It was so good. Yes. I, yeah, highly recommend. We've been in homes that like some of the stuff, like the refrigerator and the washer and dryer, they're like 40 years old. And they're like, yep, never had a single issue. I'm like, you're so wise. You're so smart that like when you've updated your stuff, you made this in it. But now it's like, now it looks stylish. It's like coming back. Like it looks good. Yeah. It's an awesome look for sure. 
No, I love that. So I do want to go back. When you told your brother that you were going to leave, what was his, <laughs> what did he say? Yeah, so that's such an interesting story because I should fast forward that we're like best friends today, right? We, we get along. Right. We were best friends then too. I mean, we our relationship, the older we get, the better it is. We're, our relationship is like a fine wine. But I originally gave him uh, a four-month notice. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, whatever. And then I gave him a three-month notice. I'm like, just so you know, July, you know, I'm going to be gone in July. And then like a two-month and he still was kind of like, whatever. I think he'd had, had, has had so many people, I think, in his life have been like, hey, at some point I'm going to be leaving. And then right. I finally purchased my own vehicle because he had graciously provided me a company vehicle. And he's like, what do you, why'd you buy that? Like, you have a company <laughs> truck. I'm like, because I'm starting my own company in a month. Like I'm, right. I have filed the LLC. This is, this is happening. And he's like, oh, I thought you were kidding. And, and I don't know, but eventually he found someone who to replace me. And I think that, that gentleman is still there today and probably doing a way better job than I ever could have. So, um, so he's been just fine. But at, originally he didn't believe me until finally, you know, it's like, okay, well, here is, here is a pickup truck. I mean, I, and I'm giving yours back at the end of the month. So, um, so like I said, luckily today, I, we have an awesome relationship and, um, his, his kids, my nieces and nephews, we, I adore those kids and, and his wife, we're all great friends. So we have a good relationship. Right. And you learn, I mean, you said you learned so much from him as well, which is really yes. cool for him to see, okay, I gave him kind of the confidence in the feet to be like, I can do this on my own as well. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, yeah, you grow up in an entrepreneurship family, but now you grow up in someone who's, he had started a company in a recession in, in 2007. He started cleaning windows, installing holiday lights and grew that. And so now you see, here's how someone properly services all these residential homes and our companies, even though we service homes differently, we're doing almost the exact same thing. And so to learn, which I took a lot of things. The most frustrating part for me though, is that his company can advertise one way. And I tried to like copy and paste and it, it's a complete fail. And we've done vice right. versa. He's tried things that work really well for me. And they don't work at all. And I'm like, I don't get it because we're servicing the same client. Like we both do the same thing. So very interesting lessons along the way. I was going to say that that has to be really cool, right? Because now you can support each other mm -hmm. and and be like, okay, this has worked. But if it doesn't work because – and that's what's so interesting about you know entrepreneurial world, but also social media and how people take in messages and how words can you know really – you know if someone needs their windows cleaned, it's like – that, you know, that's what they're looking for. When someone needs maintenance to their house, it can be a very different way that they're looking right. and searching for help. So that's, mm -hmm. a, you know, I love that point because that's a really cool point to think about. Yeah, it's it's really incredible to see the differences. And 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 it's too, like the thing with the cleaning windows is like when they're done cleaning your windows, it's like there's like, it's almost like you turned up the tone of light coming into your home. It's like, wow, this is so beautiful. It looks great. Well, when we clean your dishwasher filter, believe it or not, people aren't like jumping for joy that their dishwasher, you know, it, it feels good, but there's <laughs> right. not like any obvious things. And, you know, routine maintenance is not as sexy as some people uh, think. I mean, I get really excited right. about it, but most people <laughs> don't. So that's, yeah. And same with Christmas lights. I mean, you've got a billboard on your neighbor's house and keeping up with the Joneses is a real thing in that industry. So yeah, it's it's two very differences, but it's it's just continuous. We're, you know, six years in business now and, and I'm still feel like I'm learning just as much every single day today as I did when I was, you know, getting that first website up and, and starting our social media accounts and all those things. Right. And so this is what I want anyone that's listening. We still have a bunch of people on LinkedIn listening here and YouTube and uh, Twitch. If you guys are listening on Facebook, if you're here live on Fireside, or if you're listening to the replay, you have to go back because Daniel's really left some really big nuggets on how to kind of like what where he started in his entrepreneurial world. So I do have a question for you. So what, if someone's out there right now, because so many people, you know, are sitting at desks and they're just getting paychecks and they're getting mm -hmm. up 
getting in their car and they're pretty miserable people <laughs> because sure. they hate what they're doing. And to me, that is the worst. Like that like hurts my heart to think that someone's just like, okay, you know what? This is it. There's nothing better. I'm just going to sit here and and take it and be miserable and mm-hmm. kind of be out there in the world miserable and make other people miserable. And, you know, there's so many things that you can do with your mind. And there's so many things that you can do. You know, I talk a lot about daydreaming and how important it is and how to find that time to do it. Some people call it meditation. I call it daydreaming because meditation to me is like sitting on a mat and like trying not to think about anything. And I can't do that ever. I need to be moving. So, you know, I walk my dogs and I create in my mind. When you came up with the home maintenance, can you just take us through a little bit of that, those steps? And then what was like, let the listeners know, what were the first two things that you did that you feel like were right? Those were like the first two right steps. Yeah, for sure. Uh, while while I was still working for my brother's company, I did take a reverse equity line against my house just to have a chunk of of cash. I, I never wanted to like, I, I think bringing on partners is totally fine. But for some reason, I'm like really stubborn about it. And I don't want to and I don't yeah. I don't know why. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna do this alone for some reason. So I took out a reverse equity line against my house while I still have that proof of W-2 income and same with my Smart. vehicle. So, so you don't, you don't, don't like quit your job. Like, like, Hey, I'm done today. And I'm out like plan ahead. Right. right. And there's so many people out there that want to give you free advice. I kid you not. You send me a message on LinkedIn. And be like, Daniel, do you have like 20 minutes for a phone call? I will make time for you. I promise. Like I right. love helping other people. So there's people out there to do it. So financial wise, I took a reverse equity line against my house and I bought the pickup truck when I still had that W-2 and I could get approved. Because once you start your own company, the bank, like you could be making a million your first year <laughs> and the bank's like, no, you have to prove that you can do this for like two years straight. So right. so that, that gets Brilliant. challenging. So yeah, plan ahead right there. Filing an LLC is so simple. I've done it in several states. It's it's really simple. It's not as intimidating as you think. Call your, you know, call the state and ask them what's the proper ways to do this. Here's what I'm thinking. Talk to your accountant, you know, ask, hey, what do you recommend? Yep. And a ton of people offer you to do this, but you can do it yourself. It should cost like 100 to $200 in most states and do that. But I started doing that. And then I also, while I was doing that, I was renting out the base of my house. So I had that income. And I was boarding and training dogs as a side hustle, which were actively passive jobs. I could still work on your right. home during the day and board dogs at my house. And those two combined actually made 45K a year. And as a single guy in your 20s, that was more than enough for me to not be on the street. So right. that's what I did. And But in the beginning, it was a complete failure. We were offering monthly visits and no one no one was signing up. We had 11 customers. And so I, I talked to a gentleman. He lived in a really nice house. He went to my church. His son was in my Bible study. The trust, trust thing is not a factor here. Right, right, I right. Just, yeah, I'm like, I, I just, I need to know, Joe, I, I want to know why you're not a customer. And it's totally fine that you're not. I just want to know why. And we sat right. down for a cup of coffee. And he said, if, if you were offering quarterly visits rather than monthly, I would have signed up immediately. Now, it took like a million questions to get that out of him. Right. But on January 2nd, 2017, I followed up with all the people that I've given an estimate to. And, and they didn't say like, no, I don't need to. They were just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just not right for us. And I and I said, hey, if I change it to quarterly visits, I'll come, you know, four times year than 12. Would you sign up? And it just happened that miraculously 11 more people signed up that a day. So Cure Home doubled on January 2nd, right. 2017. So listening to your customers, getting a ton of feedback because... Every single person that I ran into, they're like, Daniel, that's the best idea. Go start this company. But they didn't sign up. So making right. sure that you're really um, careful about that. So just being really, really aware from that. But I but I think one of the most implemental things, um, the thing that I implemented that was that was most impactful is in the beginning of 2018, I hired a business coach. And having someone, they don't take a commission off my business or anything like that. 
I pay them a set monthly fee and their job, and it's not a contract. I can fire them whenever I want, but their job is to coach me. And I still work with the same one today and they push me really hard to go out and do big things. So being set up for success, there's a lot of things that you can do so many things while still working at your job over your lunch break, after work, before work, whatever it is, I would stay up to about 11 o'clock and granted I didn't have a kid or wife at the time. So I had a little (laughs) more free time, but um, at the time I could, I could do it. And I spent about five months, five months getting everything ready to go. I built a website at night by myself and, and all that stuff. I mean, so that's the, and so again, you just touched on so many brilliant things and I know everyone right now is like very happy what you're saying. Everyone in the audience, thank you for being here. Um, what I love is that you did two other things to bring in income. And so it brought me back to when I started my podcast there was a family that needed um, someone to uh, puppy sit their boxer. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, well, you have two other dogs, you have kids, you're starting a business. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just going to give me more money to put back into the business. And it's easy for me, right? So even though, yes, it was chaos to have a puppy and my other two dogs, I was able to get that puppy in good routine. We had him for a year and it was awesome, but it it Mm -hmm. gave me that income to be able to put back into the business. So that's when people were like, well, I don't have the money to start a business. I don't have, you need to be creative. You need to step out of the box and think just like you did where you were like, okay, I know that I'm, I can do these two things to then you know, keep putting money back into the business to let them then the business grow. And that's what's important because people sometimes think, I have this idea, I don't know where to start. So I love that you talked about, you know, the finance part and then the LLC part, because those are two steps that you guys can start doing right now. You can start mm-hmm. taking that time to find where you need to daydream, right? Where you need to create. Cause I talk to so many people that are like, I have this idea, I have that idea. I just who wants to hear my idea or I don't know where to start. There's people out there that your idea is actually going to help or change. You just have to put the consistent steps into every day to make that dream come true. And so finding that space to be able to create in your mind, whether it's walking the dogs, whether it is, you know, true meditation, sitting on a mat and just letting your mind wander. It's really important. And I think so many people don't do that because they're scared, first of all, you know, because it makes them depressed to think what could be and they don't know how to get there. Or they're scared to let their mind wander because, you know, they don't want to feel that excitement because they're so stuck in life. But those two are so important. And then you just gave them two concrete things to think about. Like here Mm -hmm. are two things that you guys can do right now to put the steps in and it's the consistency. So I love that you had those two like wins off the bat. Can you tell us some, you know, things that you thought were really going to work and they tanked big time. I mean, I know you touched on the, you know, the advertising, you know, you know, following, you know, some of the stuff that your brother did, but can you think of any other things that it was like, yes, this is going to be the best. And you're like, holy crap. Yeah. I will tell you like the, yeah, like the largest failure of my all time life actually (laughs) was last year. Um, we, so, you know, we've got about 600 people set up on this, on these reoccurring visits every quarter. That's going nice and smooth. We've got all these people that are referring us and hiring us for air duct cleaning going really smooth. And, um, a weakness for our company is a lot of people don't Google routine home maintenance. So we don't right. get a lot of people organically through that way. However, millions of people Google handyman near me or handyman service. So we're like, hey, why don't we, we have all the systems, we have all these processes, let's start a handyman business. So in January, um, start, you know, trying to figure, find this out. We hire a guy and we send out our first newsletter in, in February of 2021. We're like instantly booked out like two months. I mean, it was just like, yes, everyone's like, we want, we want handyman right. services so bad. And one thing turns into another, we're running like 11 handyman in like six months. Like it was just like, boom, 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 buy, buy another van, buy another van, buy all the, you know, so, 
And, and it's like, Hey, we're not really making money on this, but like, you know, next month, right? Next month, next month. And unfortunately we, we try to do so many things unique to, to get the handyman stuff rocking and rolling. And, and we had like large accounts contact us and be like, Hey, we want to sign Like we, we, we flip 1200 homes a year. I mean, like just crazy numbers, crazy. And, and we were rocking and rolling and we just couldn't make money on it. And we tried everything from like getting these guys set up on commission, you know, charging customers every every way that you could think to pay someone and to charge a customer. And every mix and match, we tried it and we just couldn't do it. So um, unfortunately, in November, we we had through all that, we did like four hundred and twenty four thousand dollars worth of handyman in the, in that time span. But just yeah. in labor and materials, we spent four hundred eight thousand. So that doesn't wow. include like. I mean, you don't have to be an accountant to be like, okay, there's a little bit of margin there, but like all the other things, insurance and van payments and all that stuff. I mean, we lost a lot of money on that. So I think the biggest thing is when you when you try something, it I think rather than try to like take off like crazy, like people always refer like the hockey stick curve, like start out nice and slow, really watch your numbers. Um, there's a ton of books. Uh, Profit First is a really good book if you're thinking about starting out your business to make sure that you're actually running a profitable thing and for us we were like let's just go like gangbusters i'm i'm like the cannonball guy you know i, I cannonball into the pool i don't like walk in on the steps yeah maybe and, and that's that's how we did it with the business and and unfortunately we learned a really really expensive and valuable lesson that hey you just because everyone wants it you can't be everything to everyone and we really have to stay in our niche so we have we have failed miserably on on, on a few things but that's for sure the handyman stuff and but on the plus side several of those handyman that were working for us i was actually able to help them start their own company and and walk through that process and they're all still doing really well just being one or two man shows i, I think that's if you want to be a handyman i think it's you can do really great as a one or two man operation that's so, you know, that's, that is like, that totally fascinates me because you would think it would make sense, right? That it would mm-hmm. just make sense for you guys to do that. But you're right because we're, I'm always Googling handyman to yeah. me. Like, for sure. Yeah. And so I'm like, I just need this light put in, but I don't need an electrician. My husband's like, yeah, I'm not touching that. I'm like, I'm not touching right. it either. And it's, you can't find, you know, it's like you, it's, you don't find them. So yeah. I love that, that, you know, that's such an interesting thing. But I think what you brought that point up is just because it seems like it makes sense. It's not always going to make sense. It, it could right. be your market. It could be, you know, there's so many different factors. And I love that you were able to help those guys kind of start their own. For sure. There's so many things. If, if you're listening and you're like trying to think of like, oh, I, you know, I'm not ready to go full time. There's so many things that you can do on the side while still being honest and ethical with your employer. And, mm-hmm. and you can start, you know, sell, design the wrench in your garage, sell the wrench out of your garage, right? Start selling a few yep. before you go full time. There's so many things that you can tiptoe into. You don't have to cannonball all the way in. And, and you hear these success stories on, on the Shark Tank and whatever, but you can tiptoe into so many different businesses um, very, you know, and you're, and you're totally fine. It's like I said, you don't have to like to steal hours from your employer or anything like that. There's a lot of things that you can do on the side to just take it nice and easy, make sure there's demand because, you know, you might call someone yep. and they're like, this is the best idea I've ever heard. And then a really good question is, well, do you want to buy one or do you want to sign up? And, and if they, if they're not, call, if they're not signing up, you got to start asking, why not? You think this is a great idea, but why aren't you signing up? Well, it's not for me. It's for my neighbor. Oh, I've heard that a million times. So yeah, but make th- sure and that's people so- want it. 
Yeah, and I love that you said that. And I love that you sat down with someone that was comfortable and was like, well, this is why I'm not. But that's what's so smart because I think so many people miss that, mm-hmm. right? You don't do the market research before because either they're nervous that, you know, they're going to tell a friend the idea and the friend's going to steal it, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> they think that or they think, um, you know, no one wants it or they, you know, but Google is another place. Like I always tell people, you start talking, you start asking around. And if you're surrounded by people that say, that's the stupidest idea ever and you're you know i feel like some people are thin skinned so they can't handle that find other people talk to strangers you know like you need to find and and test because some people might just not want to see you succeed if you're not in the right circles and so and right. you know and, and as sad as that is that does go on so it is important to do that market research before is there a need for what i have and and it could be a need you know, for, um, you might be in the wrong area, right? There might be like a, a need in California, but you live in New York. So you have to kind of do that, that research. So I love all those points that you touched on because it's really, really important. And so now when did you get into the whole, like, when did the franchise idea come and then take us through that and then take, tell, you know, tell the listeners where they can find you if they're interested in learning more about that? Yeah, for sure. We, you know, we were getting all this demand, people calling us, and it got to the point where it was like once a month. And I feel like I have a pretty good gate gatekeepers at Care Home. Our client care coordinators are awesome, and it takes quite a bit to like get through to to me. But these people were at least monthly contacting us, saying, "Could I like come? You know, just hang. Can I be a sh- your shadow for a week? Can I pay you to teach me what you're doing with this routine maintenance?" Because um, a little humble brag, I, I believe we're the largest routine maintenance company in the country on a residential level. And no, bra- no humble brag it, yeah, away. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so pretty proud of that. And so there's people that they're starting to hear about us. And so, you know, hey, how can you meet the demand, right? People are asking for it. People need it. People want to pay for this. To They want to run this company. And what we found is we have, we've opened a few markets and we're running successfully right now in Minneapolis and Denver. But a few of these other locations due to personnel, it's so difficult to have someone on the ground to be managing them from like a thousand miles away. It's right. it's really, really challenging and to keep your quality up. So we're really, right. really picky about that stuff. And so ultimately what I feel that there's in order to be, I think, a successful service based business, I think you can do it one of two ways. You could you can find someone and go like fifty fifty with them and say like, hey, you you own half, I own half, you do the operations and I'll be the guy behind the scenes or you right. franchise. And and for us at the rate that I believe that we're going to be growing, I, I think franchising was the best. So you can find us on curahome.com. You can submit an inquiry on our franchise side there. It's K-U-R-A-H-O-M-E.com. And, and you can really contact us just about any way and we'll, we'll get in touch with you. But we will give you all the information, you know, buying a franchise, it's it's a really, we already have an answer key for you on the way to do this. We have about a 600 page manual, how to answer every question. It even tells you that the garbage disposal was invented in Racine, Wisconsin in 1927. So every little minor detail you've ever wanted about routine maintenance, we've got it for you ready to go. I love it. I love that. I think it's so brilliant. So I have two questions that have been like spinning in my head. I'm like, oh, don't forget to ask. Don't forget to ask. And they're kind of random. But from the beginning of the conversation, what um, uh, stroke did you swim? Oh, I was a freestyler. (laughs) So I was uh, primarily 50 and 200. And then, or excuse me, 50... That was in the 200 and 400 relay. So I saw on the 50 and, and 100 and that. Yeah. And then my individual events were 200 and 500. So interesting. Yeah, so you, I, I was a backstroker and awesome. I probably hit my peak at 12, but I played like, you know, I in college I played field hockey and lacrosse and those were my loves. Awesome. But I swam through, I think my freshman years when I was like, okay, I'm done. But like, you know, when I yeah. was five, all, you know, pretty, I mean, we, we, we were swimmers in our house. And yeah. then the second question is, where do you line up in the sixth? 
sex kids. Oh, yeah. So that's this is super interesting because I am I am number four of six. However, okay. there's a large gap. There there's a four and a half year gap between the, the, the six between my brother and I. So it's girl, girl, okay. boy, and then me. And so I have a ton of tendencies in my personality where I am a really good rule follower. I do I do as I'm told, all those things. But then I have a ton of leadership, you know, traits where because I was the oldest at home for five years. Right. So it's it's like this really weird. Like I I feel like I'm I'm like this really weird person that like I can follow the rules. But the second that the, someone isn't taking leadership, I like I grab the megaphone. And I'm like, all right, everyone, listen up. Here's what we're doing. And it's it's really interesting that I. But it took me a while to get there because for a long right. time I was like, I'm gonna lead no matter what, and that's who I am. So it's okay to be a follower every once in a while. But I love that because when you were saying about the cannonball, I was like, now I'm very curious, like where he is in in the bunch. So then it was you, and then uh, uh, two more sisters. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so my brother and I are sandwiched between four girls. So right. stuck in the middle. So I was one of, or I am one of five, and the youngest yeah. is a boy. So he was the youngest, and so it's really interesting. Like you know, as you see him get older, um, he has got his own kids, but he's got some tr- straight, you know, traits that people are like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you were totally raised by women." <laughs> you know, yeah, like, for sure. He's kind and soft. And then I have my daughter, who has two older brothers. We just came back from um, lacrosse every weekend lacrosse tournaments and she is like a beast on the field i mean when yes. i say like she runs and people fly off of her and all the girls are like so you you, you know she's like no she's like uh first of all i had i have two older brothers that when we played sports they were like you're not our you know they they didn't say this but it, they didn't treat her like a sis- little sister right. they were like you're the third let's go you gotta you know you gotta play and they did not take it easy on her and she's like so i just she's like balls to the walls but it's really fun to kind of think of where you are in mm-hmm. your family. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's tons of research and books on it, but it is really yeah. fascinating when you really get down to the human person and then you see where they are in in the family chain. And it's like, huh, it's interesting that, you know, that trait is always like the second kid or that's always mm-hmm. the youngest kid or always the oldest. Um, yes. So, I, you know, super curious about that. Well, Daniel, this was amazing and I love it. And so where I want to kind of take you now you have, because there's people out there like, oh, well, I'm just getting married or I'm just starting a family. And you kind of did this before you were married and before mm-hmm. you had kids. How did you kind of manage that growing yeah. a family? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my my biggest thing that I really appreciate, one thing that I grew up with, my dad was always home for dinner and that was really impactful for this. me. And that's that's a rule for me that I'm, I never miss dinner with my family unless it's something like that's scheduled for like a work dinner or something like that. But so like 99% of the time, I don't, I don't just work late. So I'm always home for dinner. I'm, I'm really fortunate that as a, as a business owner, I have a team of people that really handle a lot of things. My phone isn't buzzing off the hook while I'm, you know, on this call with you, things are just kind of handled. And that takes a little bit of time, but you're always continuously working on creating systems and processes so that, yes, I want to work on the business and I want to be there doing that, but I also want to be gone and take a week or, or be gone. So I've tried to create systems and processes that I'm allowed to leave, but I'm, I really, really love being a dad. I, I love being home. My, my wife and I, we have, like I said, a, a two-year-old here and we've got one due in August. So we're, we're super excited, but family to me is just, you know, when you're, when you're 65, when you're 70, when you're 80, like who's going to be there is going to be the, the person from work maybe, but I know for sure my family is going to be there. And so that's, that's number one for me for sure is, you know, my faith and my family and, and work is, is always going to be there. And when I'm there, I give it 110%. Like my wife, right. you know, she looks at my schedule and if I'm in a meeting, she doesn't call me and, and we've really figured that stuff out. But I think my family knows that they're a huge priority 
And, and so with that, they're, they can do things at home. So that like when I get home, there's, there's usually a really nice meal and that's, that's really nice. So we support each other. We work as a team to raise, raise our family and, and that works out really well for us. And I love that. And I remember that was one of the things that you said when we first met, you said, when we start out, like I started this business, but for me to be home for dinner. And so that's another mm-hmm. thing I want the listeners to really take set up things that are like a non-negotiable. You know, when right. I started my podcast, it was like, I'm giving it a year. There's, I'm not stopping this for an entire year. That's a non-negotiable. You know, mm-hmm. Daniel, when you started your business and then started your family, it was like, I need to be home. So how can I do that? What can I put around right. it? As you says, the systems, what can I do in place to make sure that happens? And so mm-hmm. I think that's such a special thing, but it then brings us back to the beginning about how you spoke about your parents and how they raised you. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's a really cool thing that your dad instilled that and your mom instilled that in you. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, this is, I'm going to take this from how I grew up and now I'm going to bring it to my family. And, you know, it'll be really cool to see where that goes. And if that's, you know, if your son and your new baby, you know, it's, it's, it's a special thing to think about. Um, And that's why when I talk about storytelling, you know, you just really painted your picture. We can all see you guys on the farm waking up at eight o'clock, you know, doing the punch mm-hmm. card. Um, you know, it's a really special thing because you connect through storytelling. People tell their stories and you're going to be like, okay, so someone might be listening to this and they might be like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not an entrepreneur and farming. But then you talked about swimming and they're like, oh, I was, you know, I was, you know, I was a career swimmer. And so yeah. they connect with it there. And so their heart opens up a little bit more, their mind opens up, their ears open up a little bit more. And that's why it's so important for people to be able to share their story. That's one of the things that I love teaching is you need to know your story. So thinking back to those times when you're young, and you know, I talk about this often, there's memories that we have, but there's also the memories that we feel. And we don't really remember the images, but we remember the feelings, whether they're good or bad. You know, we all didn't have, you know, we've all had experiences, some worse than others, but it's really important to know those differences between a memory and a feeling, but then take those and add those to your story. Because when you get that feeling, if you think back, like I can remember things, you know, when I was five or six, I don't remember. I remember my parents talking about it, but I remember feelings of, oh, when we used to go to the beach, you know, every August, like we stopped Mm -hmm. swimming and it was like, okay, you're packing up the car, you're getting in the, you know, the station wagon. And I might not have the vivid memory, but I remember that feeling. And then the smell as you go over the bridge. And, you know, so those things are really important for people to connect with. And you really do it beautifully. And I think that's going to build your business even more because people that are going to work for you are going to connect because you're going to tell your story, how you started your business. People are going to want part of that. How, you know, now you're franchising, people are going to want to hear that. You know, this is how Daniel started it. So I love that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And and guys, again, please go follow Daniel ask him questions. You might be listening to this and be like, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm happy. I have my thing. But you might not know that there's someone in your life that right now is not happy. And this franchise business, what Daniel's doing is actually the perfect thing for them. And it might be something they need. So take this episode, share it. You know, it's going to go out on the RSS feed probably in the next couple of weeks, and then you'll be able to share it even more. But, you know, Daniel, again, thank you for connecting. I'm so glad that, you know, you reached out on LinkedIn or I reached out. I don't remember who mm-hmm. reached out to who, but that you took the time to join us on one ins live most definitely it was a pleasure to be here all right guys so again go follow daniel at cura home k-u-r-a home.com or k-u-r-a home out on instagram he is also on linkedin it's daniel felt f-e-l-t this will be on all the show notes when this goes out um, but again share this because someone needs to hear it 
make it a wonderful day. And thanks everyone for joining in. And wherever you are listening, thank you again for joining. <laughs>